Imagine getting stuck somewhere in the middle of the Kalahari Desert in Botswana, in the 1980s, for a week. In part two of our five-part series, Defending the Defender, 4x4 expert and former instructor Rob Crawford spins us a tale of escape attempts, signal flares, and burying his meat supply a fair distance from the camp to keep the hyenas and lions at bay. In this five-part series, each guest shares a 4x4 adventure story. We hear about Thomas's experience with the new Defender, argue about whether it's any good, what it's for, and who it's for, and then finally, in just a tip, each driver delivers their top tips for 4x4 enthusiasts. A reminder that the Hardway Q&A is now up. You can go to speakpipe.com forward slash the Hardway and drop Thomas a question via voice message. And now, without further ado, Rob Crawford's story. Hi guys, uh, welcome back to the Just Like Papa podcast, The Hard Way. Uh, we're back at uh, a Werewolf Bar. We're here with John. Say hi. Hello. We got Davide. Hi. We got Giovanni. Hello. We got Rob. Hi. And we got Albert. Uh, How's it? Old favorite. Okay, so in in the break, uh, we chatted about everything that's interesting. So I feel like the rest of the podcast is kind of going to be boring. We we resolved all the four by four questions. Uh, the, we now know who's the, what's the best four by four ever. We don't have to mention it though, because we know as a group here, we we know what the best four by four ever is. Wow. Uh, we figured out all of it, right? Right. Should we just end it? And we've solved. Should we just end the podcast here? Yeah. We don't, no, no point for discussion uh, any pizzas, further. The pizzas are not here yet. You ordered them, hey? <laughs> what? Albert, you did not order the pizzas. I had a dog emergency. So what are we going to eat? No, I got it. I got it. What did we get tonight? We're getting um, chow pizza. Is it called Charles? Chow yeah. pizza. We're getting um, two margaritas, two pepperoni specials, and I think a chicken special. We'll let you know. Mamma okay. mia! So because we got the Italians here tonight, it's a good, uh, it's a good starting point. But every week we're going to have some pizzas for no other reason other than eating. <laughs> but we're going to try and... Capitalize out of it. We don't drink. Do we, how, do we drink a lot, John? <laughs> it's been hot. That's why we drink. Um, okay, so we figured everything out. But, Rob, what's your story? What's my story? What is your story? <laughs> Jeez, that's a, that's a, that's a, I've got a long and lot of stories to tell. Tell us about the old days, Rob. Yeah, I'll tell you about the old days. The, the olden days. Let's talk about the olden days. I mean, days. Like, for, for me, it's interesting that you lived through an era when the combustion engine was invented. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how was the transition from, from, o- from ox, ox to cart. Four, <laughs> well, it's actually ox cart, yes. From an actual horse to horsepower. What, tell yeah, us about it, it, it was <laughs> Then the earth cooled, then the dinosaurs came. <laughs> was, the, was the world still black and white when you, yes, when you it were was. Okay. And we moved at a different speed. Like, your, your beard is still black and white. I love it. It's <laughs> yeah, awesome. <yeah>. Rob, <laughs> sell us. Entertain. Yeah, it's... Oh, introduce me. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I mean, that's always a difficult one. What do you, what do you say about yourself? Um, yeah, the name's Rob Crawford. I mean, I've, I've been a game ranger. I've been doing expeditions since the, since the 80s. 
Um, I've also been a four by four instructor. Short stint as a police officer. Yeah, we've, we've all got we've all got our problems. And <laughs> can I just say, I don't think you should mention the four by four instruction after that story because your oh, student. You, you, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you always blame the teacher, not the student. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I mean I've had a I mean a, a, a long history with with Land Rover as well with a lot of other manufacturers. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of expeditions. Um, some on two wheels, mostly on four by four. Most of my most of my four by four expeditions, and we're talking about the olden days. Uh, most of most of my travelling that I actually enjoy is actually solo travel, which is quite quite interesting. And I think, Thomas, you might relate to this in, in, in terms of that, you know, on biking or even on vehicles, there's a certain sense of freedom when you are traveling alone. Me and you should do a solo trip together. Yeah, there we go. The Lone Ranger. Oxymoron. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's some things you've got to take into account, obviously, when, you, when you're traveling alone, um, as, as opposed to when you're traveling with a group. Um, if I look back at the at, at when I started um, expedition travel, which was in the 80s, I mean, the world was a very, very different place when we start looking at technology and everything else. I mean, you can imagine we didn't have GPS, we didn't have sat phones, we didn't have normal phones. The, we were way behind the curve. I mean, if you wanted to go, if you wanted to go on an expedition in a remote area, in, let's say Namibia, you would have to go to the department, some government department, just walk in. You couldn't actually send a send a message and actually buy maps, talk about, uh, talk about, that, that, that's it, thank this you. This is why, <laughs> by the way, this is why I got Rob here, because we speak the same language. <laughs> <laughs> top of luck at the So we would have to go and get those maps, and then you'd plan your expedition, but it was all very, very, very low tech. I mean, it was like, people talk about analog, this was even pre-analog. In fact, just an interest, interesting story. I came back from a trip just recently and I had to rent a vehicle and I took it back to the rental company and woe and betide, sitting in front of me was a Land Rover. And I thought, jeez, I recognize that Land Rover. That was my Land Rover that I had since 1989. And I will, it it was exactly the same. In fact, that Landy was built by AAD before Land Rover actually were in South Africa. So during, oh. during the, uh, the sanctions, during uh, the, those yeah, period, yeah. periods, they could bring them in what they called, um, knock, they used to build them in semi-knockdown form, and it was actually built by AAD, a, a truck manufacturer, and it was built, the, the build quality on that vehicle was brilliant. And it had a galvanized chassis, it had everything going for, and that vehicle still on the road. In fact, my vehicle was so low tech; it didn't have aircon. It had an oscillating blue fan on the on the on the front. It had the vents, and there was nothing electronic on it except a little clock. SU carbs that used to just deliver fuel. It was old old tech. I have to tell you, we're, this is a podcast that's going to go onto iPhones and Android. No one knows what you just said. <laughs> Anyone can have the technology. Any of these podcasts, they'll just be like, so, so, so this is from the dark ages. <laughs> But, I love that. That's but, amazing. But, but, you know, when I, when I actually walked over and I said, geez, this was my Land Rover. And I, and I had tears in my eyes. And I was like, geez, it was like a, a, buddy, a buddy that I went into battle with. I mean, the adventures that we'd, we'd been on, the trips that we'd done. And when I was telling the guy about, this was the guy that like, fills in the, 
fills in the form, taking back the vehicle. Goes, geez, you really like this vehicle? I'm like, it was my vehicle, brother. It brings <laughs> tears to my care. eyes. And he was like, okay, yeah, all right, no worries. <laughs> what was the uh, mileage on that car? Actually, I didn't get inside to have a look, but I think when I I had it from '89 to 2004, and I think it had done about 300,000 then. Um, and it was it it was like I said, it was a galvanized chassis. It was the V8 motor with two SU carbs. You could turn that thing upside down and that thing would deliver fuel. I mean, it was, it was a bulletproof. I'd sunk it in the Okavango Delta. The trips that I'd done with it was incredible. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, it was talk about, you know, the, coming back to the past. That, that vehicle is still on the road and still exists today and it's living and breathing. It was, was great, to, great to see it. Good question. Why don't modern cars have oscillating air conditioning and you have to still use your hand. Did you just congratulate yourself on asking a good question before you asked it? <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, but I was just going to say the thing. Good question. Maybe <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. I think they call that setting, setting something up. So, sorry, Davido, your, your, your good question is, is actually what? Well, you, 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 you had the luxury of having an, an oscillating air, fan well, it was yeah you had yeah. the luxury of an oscillating. oscillating fan yeah and in any vehicle right now to my understanding you have to stick your hand on the thing and turn it towards you above you and everything it's not automatic no no i mean yeah. but but this wasn't i love the oscillating but one. but this was this was a this was an aftermarket that i'd actually put in exactly yeah no this was a luxury yeah and it's nothing like driving through the kalahari at 45 degrees when you're getting hot air blown back into you there's no there was no aircon in the vehicle so i mean it was low low back yeah yeah mm. so <laughs> yeah it was like being in a sauna yeah so that was um just uh, meeting with the past yeah. but getting back to i mean you know the way that we used to travel back then i mean it, it, it was actually quite insane i mean and mm-hmm. it leads on to a, a question well a, a, it's a, a war story if we work if we can call it that good a good question <laughs> it's a good this question. is a good story let me tell you <laughs> yeah. no, the best story <laughs> yeah i mean you know the, i mean we were crazy back then i mean you know doing single vehicle going into territory you'd never actually been in before um Things were a lot wilder. Um, you know, it was in it was in the eighties. Time times were very very different. And I actually took a trip into the central Kalahari in Botswana, um, which is a very remote remote part of Bots. And back then there was absolutely nothing. And we, a friend of mine was actually a fashion photographer. It was just the two of us in in the vehicle, and he we were driving on a little two track through the central Kalahari, and he wanted to take some specific photographs of um, some Chemsbach. And I actually went off the track, and we started following them just in the bush, just driving wild. Came over a dune, but I needed to use a little bit of momentum just to get the vehicle over. And as we came over, coming down was just a quad mile of mud. And the vehicle came in there, and it came to a standstill, and that was it. It was like, it was a bog. Needless to say, we got stuck there for about well over a week. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it was a pretty much a very hectic survival situation. It was probably my first one that I actually had. Uh, it was pretty heavy. So no sat phones, no communication. I did have two flares. So after a couple of nights, I let off the thousand, thousand uh, yard flare and I lit up the night sky. 
And water? And water, I had enough water. Um, in, in Botswana, central in the central Kalahari. Yeah. In fact, there's a place called Deception Valley. Oh, yeah. And if you've ever, ever been through that area, in fact, funny enough, I don't know if you've ever read the book um, Cry of the Kalahari. Yeah. Mark and Delia Owens actually wrote that book in that area. And while we were stuck there, I actually read the book. So it was actually quite, quite interesting. But yeah, so we were stuck. Um, we let off a flare. Then the other night, I let off um, uh, what they call a, a just it's a, it's a normal normal flare. And I looked like the Statue of Liberty standing over there with standing with the flare. No one ever came. That was not going to happen. Um, then you start getting into some weird stuff in your in your mind. What's going to happen? Have we got enough food? Have we got enough water? How are we actually going to get out of here? We were making a plan. I took I took the I took the winch. Took it out, tried to bury the spare wheel to use it as an anchor, which you sometimes do. The spare wheel, spare wheel, spare wheel just floated away. It was so so muddy, and eventually we were making a little bit of progress, but it was taking a long, long, long time. Um, so much so that we actually, you get into all these. I mean, I'd read all the survival books back in the day and what what you do. I mean, we were even trying to. I even had sort of almost a World War Two area signal mirror when aircraft used to come up, come across that you actually line it up and try and signal aircraft. I mean, you think that's, you know, that's something like you hear from the 40s. Mm -hmm. I was doing that to try and actually get the reaction from, from an aircraft going, going over the, the desert. The other thing I did is that we dug a big, huge SOS in the sand and poured flour into it so that you could actually see it from the air. So if anyone did come past us, well, the, crow, the crows jumped in and they quite liked the SOS sign a little bit uh, and there was not much left. <laughs> How much flour did you use? Well, so we, so when you're in the bush, you're using flour for b baking your own bread because we used to make beer bread. Ah, and, and the I, pizza. And I, and I used that. Uh, no pizza. No, no. Excuse no. Also, it was the '80s. So it wasn't just flour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I mean, guys, come on. Let's be real here. Eh? I mean, come on, man. I'm not saying now. I'm just saying you have extra. So we did all that, and eventually we walked back to the track that we'd actually were driving on. And I took uh, one of our chairs and I put the chair there and I put our coordinates. We used to do things like that with, with um, our map coordinates. And that we were in. I've actually still got the sign that we actually left on the chair. And we went back and we started getting into survival mode. Um, my friend was freaking out, thinking, we're never going to get out here. We're going to die in the desert. And I said to him, dude, if we're going to get out, it might not be tomorrow. It might not be the next day. It might not be a week. Might not be a month, but we are fucking getting out of here one way or another. You didn't tell him, I'm getting out. <laughs> <laughs> you might be my trail rations. But, yeah. but a bit of fashion, The fashion photographer goes first. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we started cutting down on, you know, no booze, no smokes, dehydration, looking after the water. The food was going off, all our meats were going off, the, so we had to go and bury that. Uh, because we didn't have the vehicle running all the time to, to power up. To, I did actually have a freezer, believe it or not, back in those days, one of the very, very early ones. Um, buried the meat quite a ways down, and then the hyenas and the lions would come and fight each other and dig it up. Um, when we were actually walking back from putting the chair in the, in the, in the, in the track, we did bump into lion, um, which was quite interesting being out there in that kind of environment. Normally, that wouldn't have been such a, a tricky thing, but just being that exposed and that vulnerable was quite hectic. Did you have a? Did you were you armed in any way? No, so you couldn't take a firearm into Botswana. I mean, that would be a, a no-no. Especially number one, coming in from South Africa, you couldn't take a firearm. And number two, you were in a you were in a national park. Yeah, so um, this is not a just the tips thing because it's quite uh, quite isolated so any sands park any government park you cannot take a weapon in 
Um, that's not just because it's government, but because of anti-poaching. Uh, if you did have to, they usually take your, um, what's the slot? Fire, firing pin. Yeah, your firing pin or whatever. But you cannot travel over a border with a firearm. Yeah. No, um, I've actually had a couple of friends that have got stuck at the border and then you have to hand over your gun. And they're like, no, but they, they, there's no way you're leaving it there or burying it. And then their whole trip is ruined. So a pre just that don't yeah, go over yeah, the border. You can't, yeah. you can't use firearms. Especially going, also back in then. It was back a little then bit it more. Been, uh, would have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. In no. fact, even back in those days, anything remotely representing anything paramilitary, yeah. we wouldn't use camouflage. Even the um, the water bottles that we used to get like from ME stores, which was a store back then before Cape Union Mart and all that. I don't know if you ever remember that 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 brand. What the fuck are you talking about? Before <laughs> just like Papa. <laughs> Do you want to leave? Way back. Do you know you know where the door is, Rob? Have you Get got out of have here. you got have you got water bottles here? What the fuck are you talking about? The only thing I have seen is the thing that carries fuel that's supposed to but I carry my my booze in that. Congratulations. I like that, actually. You, you've redeemed yourself. But yes, we do the best water bottles in the whole bloody world. Okay, well, okay. Before then. But I mean, that's a, that's a while back. Yeah. I'm just saying. You're promoting the wrong brand, yeah. I wasn't actually, I wasn't actually promoting no, you, 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 I was putting a timeline. I'm just saying, you, you, you mentioned come. I mean, sorry, Cape Union, Mark. But like, just <laughs> back off, dude. Just know where you are. Okay, I know where I am. But it was a timeline because they were, you know, it was like Emmy stores. Okay. I love you, Capian and Mark. No jokes. Um, yeah, so yeah, you couldn't use anything paramilitary or anything like that in those days, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the only weapons that you could actually really actually were effective. And when we used to sleep out in the open, sometimes we, was, we thought we were so macho, we didn't even sleep in a tent, we'd just sleep on the ground. Is your fire extinguisher and a machete uh, were the only things. And you'd actually always sleep with your head towards the wheel, because if something was going to grab you, you didn't want it to grab you by the head. Rather grab you by the feet. I know it sounds fucking macho, but that's what we used to do. That's what we used to roll. Yeah, um, yeah. John is sitting here going, "What the fuck?" I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Like, I've got a beard, but I'm just a hipster. I don't, you know, that, that's a real beard. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, so he look, uses that beard. He untwines it and then pulls cars out with it, and then he puts it back up. Yeah, it's a survival tool. Put it it's not a beard. Yeah, so I mean that was it was quite it was quite a quite a tri- everything kind of went wrong that could have gone wrong on that trip. So um, you know when you're in a survival situation like that, that does become very very real. You promise yourself all sorts of things you're going to do if you ever get out. Those are some of the realities, and um, you know it's always a mental thing. People talk about mental, you know, your, your your right mental attitude getting through a survival situation. Did you get to the point of writing your totes and your wheel kind of on the spot that time? To you will. Oh, no, oh, no, you didn't get that. I didn't have anything no. <laughs> except my land. Yeah, no, but it's like you know, like at least like you want to leave like a track, you know, on the, in the on oh. this planet because you know that things are getting close enough. So you had the right attitude of making it happen. It was just, I was going to get out no matter what. That yeah. that was the thinking. So eventually, to cut a long story short, we some Italians actually came through oh, on another vehicle. Sure. Calari, <laughs> Italians in the Calari. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. then it's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought I'd just throw that in there. <laughs> but yeah, look, we, we, we were making progress. We were going to get out. They, they found the sign. They came over and they managed to actually help us out. So we got out. Um, the, another, another. What were they driving? They were on the track, number one. They went off-road. So they stayed on the track like good tourists. Um, they were in a Hilux. 
Very strange, eh? You need to, oh my God. <laughs> and then, just to add on to that, so then we're out and we're heading back to Mount. Um, you know the story about grass seeds and, you know, grass seed catches and everything In else? In your radiator. That then with the, with the heat, they, they... So I had a grass seed catcher on the front of the radiator, like we know, catches yeah. up. But what was actually happening, the grass seeds were getting flung onto the manifold. And the manifold started, it set, set them off and my electrics went, the vehicle caught fire while I was driving. The vehicle was burning and I said to my fashion photographer, I said, bail out now, because it's a petrol vehicle, it was a V8. And petrol, as we all know, is a lot more volatile. If we've got a fuel line or something like that, that could also happen. So he bailed out by, while we were moving. I managed to get in there, spray it, spray it with a fire extinguisher, another must-have in any vehicle. Well, thank God you didn't have to fire extinguish a lion the night before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this whole grass seed thing still a thing, or is this yeah. just back in the 80s? No, okay, it's still, so still a thing. So we're going to cover this in just a tip. Grass still exists in cars. No, it still exists, and actually even... For now, with the... Uh, you know, and you know, I'll tell you what, we, we, after... Global warming, we might not. Yeah, maybe no grass. In after years, all these big rains yeah. that we've got now, you go into the Kalahari or something like that, you're going to have a lot of grass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, we'll cover that in just a tip then. Cars yeah. randomly catching okay. on fire. I know, I'd be so, surprised. Yeah, so that was that was that, and then I thought it was all over. I managed to get this guy back to to Mount, and I needed to. Oh, the other thing is I, I got malaria, which was on top of it. Just, just, was yeah, it your first time or for the first time? Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, my first nice time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I broke my I broke I had, my cherry. I trip. I never trip so much as my first uh, malaria. <laughs> Where was that in Mount? No, in uh, in the central Kalahari. Ah, central. Oh, yeah. yeah. Before getting to Mount, so and no treat, no treatment with you. So it, and I didn't have treatment when I got into Mount. I managed to get some treatment in Mount. Then I was still feeling terrible, so I actually wanted to get back to South Africa at the time. And then riding back, I was alone with malaria, and I dropped off my mat, and I was like feeling a little bit queasy. And I picked up two hitchhikers that were actually um, they were work. They were, I, think, I think they were volunteers working in the two American volunteers. And while we were driving on one of the roads, I hit a roadblock from hell. Uh, there was a single guy with a, with a firearm who'd sort of a makeshift fire, uh, a roadblock. And back in those days, it was a bit hairy. And I'll talk about um, how, interacting with, with people and, and respecting people and all that. We can talk about that in expedition-wise. But unfortunately, this situation got very, very nasty. I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. The guy pulled me out of the vehicle, put me into the ground, and I felt... The muzzle break end of an AK-47 the back of me, and I thought that was. And he was just scaring me, and he was talking about, "Oh, you don't wear a seatbelt, and you don't respect our culture, and everything else." And I was like, <laughs> "And thank God, the other other two people in the vehicle were sort of begging for my life a little bit. It was quite." So quite they were wearing their their belt. They, no. I don't even know what they no? were wearing. Okay. I mean, but I was the driver, so I was I was in trouble. So managed to, we managed to, he started talking about it's not going to help in a court of law and everything else. So at least there was no, no bribe. In fact, we'll talk about that in expedition. I've got a big, big problem with actually even paying a bribe. Only at gunpoint do I, I pay bribes. Yeah. Imagine but, if we pull people out of their cars and put guns to the back of their heads for not wearing seatbelts. Can you imagine? How much better we'd be <laughs> putting on seatbelts. <laughs> yeah, no, they might, they might have had a point. <laughs> well, I definitely got the point. 
Yeah, so that was that was a trip tri trip from hell. I mean, it was it was just everything just could have gone gone wrong. That did happen, but interesting, you know, we, we will talk about things when when things go wrong, and then sometimes, I mean, we're talking about stuff and saying, "Well, what did I what did I do wrong, or what was the lesson there and all that?" Sometimes shit just fucking happens. Sometimes just, I mean, I've had situations where I did something wrong, or I could have done this, or I could have done that, and what did I learn from that? But sometimes just life just throws you a curveball, and you've got to deal with it. And it's quite a, quite an interesting um, philosophy in, in in terms of how you how you tackle things mentally and how what what are you going to actually look at and how you're actually going to deal with it. Yeah, look, I mean, thinking back on it, I mean, we definitely had the right equipment. I mean, everything was sorted out. And even though the, the olden days, you used to carry a lot of equipment because some of it would, would break and you'd have to fix it. So you'd always have enough. In fact, that was, that was probably the most common mistake was actually overloading the vehicle and actually having way too much equipment. But we were pretty sorted in that regard. But I think one of the interesting things that I did learn from, from that was the psychology of survival. And I think there's a there's a... It's something, you know, especially I think with, with, with reality TV and all that, we see a lot of that stuff on, on, on television and we'll see these sort of celebrity survivalists and everything else coming out and there's a lot more sort of, a lot more about it. I read books about it and then after that, I've had a couple of experiences since then. But the psychology of survival has always interested me. And funny enough, there's a, there's a book that I, that, that, I, that I read recently. It came out in 2017 uh, by a woman called Megan Hines called The Mind of the Survivor. Mm. And most, most survival books concentrate on the actual you know, building stuff and the, you know, the art of surviving and actually makeshift shelters and everything else. And she talks about the psychology, and I found it actually quite fascinating, mm. her approach to the whole thing. Uh, what was interesting is that she doesn't come from a military background or anything else. In fact, she is, you know, when you watch someone like, someone like Bear Grylls, who's, you know, mm. a rock star in terms of you know, yep. the survivalist, and you often wonder, yeah, we're watching him, but who looks after the crew? Mm. Well, she looks after the crew. So she's got, she's, she's quite, she's quite the mm. person. And when you go through her book and she talks about the psychology of survival, um, she'll talk about a few different things. Um, you know, I mean, survival can mean a, a, a drawn-out situation where you're there for like days or weeks or whatever, or it could be seconds where you've actually, something can actually happen. And she'll talk about the, the in survival, they talk about the threes. So you've got three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, three weeks without food. But she also talks about another one, which is you can actually three seconds to make a bad decision when something can actually just go wrong and it could change the whole course of your situation. And what I like, what I also enjoyed about her stuff, I'm, I'm punting her all of, all of a sudden for a reason. Send money. Send so, money. Yeah, yeah, just I send I don't even know money. her. <laughs> send money. Um, well, let us know the, the name of the book. I'll actually, I'll, say, I'll, send it, I'll, send you, I'll send you a link to it. Um, it's actually quite an interesting book. Um, you know, if, if you look at sort of a survival situation, could that be South Africa surviving? Could it be us surviving COVID? You can actually utilize those some of the things that she's actually brought into it. And a couple of things that hit home uh, when I actually read her book, looking back in my survival situations. Can I just quickly interrupt? Did you read this before that event or after? After. after okay, after. sorry. Yeah, she only wrote it in 2017. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I missed that. Sorry. Um, so she'll, she'll actually talk about things like um, if you take a survival situation that you land yourself up in, and often you say, oh, I can't believe this has happened to me. If I only had done this or if only I had done that. She talks about acceptance. And acceptance isn't necessarily de defeatist or that uh, I'm now 
uh, I've got to look at things very differently. You've got to accept your fate. My airplane has crashed in the Andes. This is our situation. I am stuck in the middle of the Kalahari. This is my situation. I have to accept my fate. COVID has hit. We are in COVID. We all have to survive. We have to make a plan. So to talk about that sort of aspect. And then the other thing is to actually, what is your game plan? Have a plan. No matter how, whatever it is, I've got to cross this river. I need to actually put out a line. I need to actually do something. And don't deviate from the plan. Yes, you can modify our plan, but sometimes in a survival situation, you get all tied up and you start, your mind's all over the place and then you actually, you don't actually have a plan. You're just bouncing around. You've actually got to have a definitive plan. Um, yeah, so there, a lot of that hits, hit, hit home. So I actually quite, quite enjoyed her, her, um, her take on it. Yeah. No, because okay, before you actually mentioned that, I was going to ask you about the mentality of being stuck for a week or two weeks, three weeks. I mean, we had a friend that also in Botswana. I mean, how long was he over there? Three weeks? No, two weeks or something. Yeah. 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 It was long. It was crazy. You know, they were stuck. Mud as well. Um, it's the mentality, right? So I was going to ask about that, but the the plan, keeping your hands busy, the Having an focus, objective having plan, something, yeah. Having, having, and if you're making progress, we are, we are getting to that goal. We're going to get there somehow. Yeah. Oh, I might have to change this. I've got to deflate the tires. I might have to t- take the winch over to this side. I might have to rethink mm. this. Or am I exposing myself to the sun if yeah. I do this? In fact, in, in that situation, just is that we, we never worked during, during midday. We didn't dig ourselves out. I think that's because you did not have a umbrella. Ah, we had to bring the umbrella back. I had an awning, <laughs> but no umbrella. The umbrella is a running story. Just uh, your f- fashion photographer friend, obviously very different to you in this situation. You've got a plan. You've got, we can try this, 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 and this. He's got no idea what the next thing is, right? No, no. So he, like, how does that, how did you deal with know, that? Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, he was, he was, he was actually in panic mode at, yeah. at, at one stage, which was actually probably not a bad thing because I actually had to step up to the plate and say, dude, we're going to get out of here. Look me in the eye. We're going we're gonna to make it. Sorry. We're fighting on the mic. Uh, just quick. No, that's actually where I wanted to get. I, I, I literally can't remember the book I read about it, but it was a survival thing where, you know, the one guy had a little bit of experience and he got guys to build. I can't remember if it was a dam. I think it was a dam. They didn't need a dam at all, <laughs> but just something to do. And he was like, guys, we need a dam. It's very important. We're going to need water and we need to catch this. The rain, I can see it on the horizon. It's coming. And they spent days packing rocks and like coming up with ideas and supporting it and aqueducts and all this shit. And they never fucking needed it. And there was no rain coming. And he just knew that if he could get them busy right. and focused on something yeah. while he was dealing with the actual survival get out plan. Yeah. That was it. And it, it, part of that was stay with the vehicle because if they had too much time to think about it, they'd be like, no, let's hike out. Well, let's do well, this. There was, let's build something. Like, put, burn the car, make a flare. Like right, and he needed right. to keep them away from all that shit so that they just needed to build this dumb dam <laughs> while they were waiting. And time came, airplane saw them and came to fetch them. I'll try to remember and we might put it in some footnotes or some shit later, but that was just, it kept them busy. Like you're saying you had to step up and in his panic mode. Sorry, uh, Joe? No worry, no. I was saying that sometimes when when they're not solo um, adventure, but they are like... um, uh, like having people that that, uh, freak out, that panic next to you actually can help you to be even more focused because then you end up saying, okay, cool. I know that 
people around me are showing me what I don't have to do or what I don't have, they're showing me the wrong attitude and I have to be even more rational in in taking care of even them, like he say about the about the doing things for no reason, you know, like at least they are. So yeah, so that was my point. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, the psychology of survival just really interests me. I mean, after after that, I did go into survival courses and everything else. And you know, look at just the simple fact of building a fire. Um, yes, it's to you know keep you warm or to cook something all that. But that Neanderthal in you that sits in there having a fire just tells you that everything is okay. It's all going to be good. We've got a fire. I mean, that goes back eons and eons. As a man, when we have that Bushman TV, that just makes sure that everything's just looking good. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a that was an interesting interesting one. That was an early one, and I'd, I'd faced a lot of other, unfortunately, a few other situations in, in in expedition. But that one stands out quite a bit, and it just illustrates the mindset that you need to get yourself into to actually to to get through something like that. I feel like tomorrow John's going to call me and go, look, Thomas has been a good run, um, but I found a new client, uh, Rob. He has way better stories than you. Look, I'm, uh, I'm old. I've been around. I mean, we've, we've, things have happened. Yeah, but anyway, that was a great story. I like that. And I have uh, a, a few questions at the end that we can chat. But what is nice is that through this, the whiskey seemed to have loosened Giovanni up. So... Let's segue into Giovanni's 